the promise of working late meant the toys, the bonuses, the cars, the everything, the fame on LinkedIn, everything you post is going to be gold, you know, thousands of likes. And it turns out like shit, man, I'm just trying to pay bills. I got kids now, like the, the goals change, the dreams change. And then you realize that was never it. I don't, I don't, I don't think that was ever the point of this, because if it was, it fucking sucks. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Amazon's Black Stories, where we highlight the stories of black designers, researchers, and creative minds from all around the world. I'm your host, Justin James Lopez, and today I'm joined by Melvin Hale as we discuss the importance of listening to yourself and not being afraid to say enough is enough and making the decision that's best for you. Let's hear his story. Well, Melvin, thanks again for joining me today on this episode. I was really excited about this one. But before we jump into the whole conversation, how about we start with a little bit about who you are and where you are today in in life? Sure. Appreciate you having me on the show. It's pretty exciting. I have seen some of the posts before and to have you reach out was pretty amazing. So a little bit about me. I like to just read my uh, LinkedIn profile. Yeah. But I've been in the game for about 25 years and have worked both agency side and client side. And for the past seven to 10 years, I've been in Silicon Valley, working with places like Google, Facebook, you know, the the big fan group. Yeah, that's been my journey in design. Started out as a web designer, you know, with HTML and DHTML, learning how to code and using Dreamweaver to cut everything up. And then got into Flash because, hey, you can make your stuff move and it's animated. That shit was cool. (laughs) And then learned how to not just have fun, but actually build applications and got hired to build some really cool stuff over the years. Yes, that's, that's been the trip, you know design and technology combined to make beautiful experiences. And as a uh, Black man in this, it has been a wild ride because I didn't often see folks that look like me, but when I did meet them and they were dope, like like really dope designers. And yes, it's been great. And to see the industry now, it's browner. It's (laughs) more, uh, it's great. You know, there's more diversity, the people from all different backgrounds and genders, and it's, it's wonderful. And this was not the case like 10 years ago. No, no, I I love that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think that it's, it's interesting because I was looking at your background and it almost feels like we're, you know, that old phrase of ships passing in the night because we've, Mm. we've spent a lot of our careers in similar spaces, whether it's Meta, Google, some of these are bigger names, but it's always been like a year apart. So like I would either join or leave a year before you were there. So we never actually had the opportunity to meet in person and until more recently when, and this is, this is really interesting to jump into because how we actually met was really interesting. I was just kind of surfing through LinkedIn because I, I guess that's the thing, right? You don't even scan Instagram anymore. You're just scanning LinkedIn. <laughs> so, so I was I was scanning later later at night and I saw a post from you. The post was, and you you can, if you remember the, the post and we can kind of jump in there, but I'll kind mm-hmm. of refresh your memory. The post was about where you are in your career. And what struck me is it was such an honest post that came from a genuine place, which is something that I felt was, a bit removed from what I tend to see online. A lot of it is feel-good stories that paint a picture that may or may not be reality. And we're always kind of guessing whether or not the truth is buried in the lead there. But for you, I felt like you were very honest about where you were in your career and getting older as a designer, as a creative, we're trying to figure out where your place was. 
And that is originally why I reached out and why, honestly, why we're here now. But Mm. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that post and kind of where you were and where you are now and what triggered that for you. Yeah, definitely. When you get into this, nobody tells you that you burn out. (laughs) Yeah, You think that you just kind of go and you make it to CEO and then you retire and, you know, you have your two and a half kids and a dog. (laughs) The, The reality is it's, it gets hard. And Somewhere along the way, you lose sight of who you are and who you were in favor of the career that you are accumulating and the experiences you're accumulating for that career. And for myself, at the beginning of the pandemic, being at home, I started to realize I don't even recognize this person. I look at my portfolio, I look at the work and look at I'm getting older and I'm like, did I move in the wrong direction? So it's just more of a rethink of where I was headed and what I've been doing. This has not been like something I thought about overnight. It was never just, well, let me just be reactionary. No, it's it's been a journey I've been on for the past two years of reading and studying therapy, just getting my life right, getting my, my mentality right was that journey. And that's at the about face. And that post was, I'm, I've been hustling too long and I have not aligned my career with the things that I love and I've hit my wall. Yeah. And that's it. So what are the things that you love? So if you look at my LinkedIn profile now, you'll see a collection of more stories about the work. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty honest in my assessment of the work I did at each place. But that's me. Now, a lot of that work that you'll see there, that's not what I was hired to do. I was hired to do something different. But one thing I've learned throughout my career is if somebody doesn't do these things, then we're all going to hate working at this company. (laughs) So (laughs) I've made it my job, especially now that I've I've been able to move into a position of leadership and management. I try to buck some of the trends and say, hey, here. This is Melvin. I am this person and I am a real human being that makes mistakes. You can too. And I'm not going to judge you for that, but we don't work in an industry that says that's okay. It's only about the output, never about the process. So I just got tired. Yeah. (laughs) Just got tired. I mean, I can imagine, right? I think that there's probably more people in the world that feel in some way, shape or form the way you felt currently feel and have openly expressed then are willing to admit it. (laughs) But I think that what is beautiful about where you are and what was beautiful about how you got to that space is I've always been a firm believer that from a psychological perspective, when you are transparent and open, it inadvertently gives other people the space to feel psychologically safe, to be open, to be transparent, to be vulnerable in that way. And I saw that, right? I saw that with all of the people that were responding. You you had like so many of these responses to, to the point where you even had a follow-up post of like, man, just thank you for everyone's vulnerability and, and all mm. of that and just kind of added more to the story. Mm-hmm. But For me as a storyteller, I'm really attached to those types of moments because there is a narrative there that's helping to drive the greater arc that's attaching and tethering so many of us as creatives that come from, you know, different places that don't come from this overarching just whiteness. As people of color, we come from different cultures, different spaces, whether you're born or or raised here in America or not here in America, right? Because I spent my time in different spaces. Regardless of the answer to that, if you're going to work in America, you're thrown into this idea of whiteness. And we talk Mm -hmm. about that in episode with Timothy Bartlevins as well. Previously, that idea to be confronted with that and then to have the vulnerable space to say, man, this this kind of sucks, right? Because the burnout that you're talking about, it's not just the normal burnout that everyone feels, right? Because there's this all-encompassing pressure that comes with just showing up as who you are. 
I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know that's something that I feel sometimes. So I just kind of wanted to bring that up. Yeah. No, you're right. It's the disillusionment of the promise that you could be yourself and it's not true. <laughs> yeah. It's not really true. <laughs> it's, you know? not, it's not. Yeah. And I'm not, I, would, I wouldn't encourage your listeners to just go out there and say anything they wanted to say because it is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't want to come off as an asshole. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. If, if you're listening, don't, don't, don't be that person. Yeah. You know, <laughs> It's okay to be assertive. As we were talking about earlier, assertive, not aggressive is the way to go. So know what you want and ask for it, but just don't be don't be an ass in the, in the process. But yeah, no, we were promised something at the end of all of this. The promise of being a great designer, the promise of being yourself, the promise of working late meant the toys, the bonuses, the cars, the everything, the fame on LinkedIn, everything you post is going to be gold, you know, thousands of likes. And it turns out like, shit, man, I'm just trying to pay bills. I got kids now, like the, the goals change, the dreams change. And then you realize that was never it. I don't think that was ever the point of this. Because if it was, it fucking sucks. And especially if you don't make it to, well, I shouldn't say if you don't, because I've actually had founders, VPs, and CEOs reach out saying, man, I feel you, can we talk? <laughs> you know, so I can't say that the end game is to be a CEO, but I think for many of us, being able to say you've worked this long in a career, you'd want to look back on that and say, yeah, I did all that. And that was, that was awesome. I'm looking back like, dang, what did I leave? You know, mm -hmm. I heard somebody say the time that passes belongs to death, right? Oh, wow. So instead of looking at your future of, you know, one day I'll die. It's like, no, I've died 46 years and today is another day. And we started this conversation and I can't get that time back. That is dedicated to the past or the dead male that will never exist. So what do I do at that time that I'm doing now? Because every day, every hour, every moment that I'm in a job that sucks, I am paying for that with my life. I came to the decision. I never, I don't want that. The way you're showing up now is absolutely amazing for that, right? Because it even it's inspired me, right? To take a really good look of like, okay, where am I going? What am I building right now? <laughs> like, yeah. like honestly, and we've, we've, we've had these discussions before as well, but what am I building right now? So you're already doing a lot of that. What I can control. As I mentioned earlier, time is fleeting. At the end of this conversation, I can tumble down the stairs and I'm done. That's the end of the day. That is, Mel's life has ended. Did I do enough today to ensure that folks who hear my voice or see what I've done can say, hey, he was a good guy. That's how I'm living my days. That's how I consider the things that I post. And even beyond that, if it doesn't have a sense of edification or just something to make folks happy, then why post? I don't have to have an opinion about everything. I want to create friction between myself and the technology because I want to remember what it's like to be in control. I don't want to have to wake up thinking, dang, who commented on this or who liked this? Yeah. I'm not on display. I'm just Mel. When folks start looking at it through that lens, what is most important for you right now? Value your time more than the money and possessions. That is most important because that is not going to come back. I know what it's like to not have time. I, I don't have a sister. She, I, I didn't call her. I didn't call her enough. I didn't talk to her enough. And she passed away before I could tell her all my dreams or tell her things would be okay, right? Or let her know that, hey, my youngest daughter is named after you, right? Yeah. It's those fleeting moments that you remember, like, what is happiness? <laughs> what is going to make me happy? Is it somebody telling me that I need to get this design just right and get these pixels perfect? Is it me staying up late all night? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is that happiness? Because I, I can tell you from my experience, I can't tell you if it's true academically. I don't know, but I can tell you happiness does not live in pressure. It doesn't live in critiques. 
It doesn't leave in self-doubt. It doesn't live in self-defeating language. Happiness is that opportunity when you say, I have the courage to step out on my own and I'm not afraid of the next step, be it big or small. And the commitment to stay with that charge and the consistency to keep going, that's the goal. And if you keep resetting that cycle for anything that you want to be and become, greatness comes from that. So that's how I look at that. That's how I lead. That's how I talk about work. And that model applies to anything. You want to go learn how to swim? Be courageous, be committed to that process and be consistent. You want to learn how to become a UX designer? Be courageous to put yourself out there. Know that your first couple of designs are going to freaking suck <laughs> and then just stay consistent. You'll get better. If you want to work in an environment where you are celebrated, okay, don't quit just yet, but <laughs> have a plan. For myself, I quit. I, I knew for myself that the toxicity and my mental health were more valuable. So that post was the acknowledgement, like, yeah, Mel, it's time to go. Anyway, that's the whole point. Courage, commitment, consistency can solve any of these problems and start small. Just keep those small steps. That's a, a nice little gem though, right? That's what is C cubed, right? Courage, co commitment, consistency. Yeah, there it is. You just got to You got to put that on the shirt. That's it. I think that that's really helpful because, and I'm glad that you called out of like, hey, don't just go out and quit your job. Like that's not the lesson here, right? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. whether we want to admit or not, not everyone has that. The luxury of having... 25 plus years developing these skill sets. I didn't know what would happen when I posted that. I had no idea if folks would reach out because I'm not posting for the likes. I'm not posting for anything other than understanding or just because shit, I need to get this out of my head. I need other people to tell me whether I'm crazy or if you feel me in the same way, let's talk about it because that's how we get better. I think that's our biggest problem with society. People don't ask for help. They don't reach out. You know, you'll see little quotes like, let your results speak for themselves. Like, fuck that shit. That is the dumbest advice. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. You see that a lot. Yeah. You know, I've actually given that feedback to people before. I'm like, yo, that's horrible feedback. Terrible. Don't take that advice. But I think that what's what's interesting is that, and I'll speak for myself because this is this has been my experience, right? My experience has been growing up, I, I didn't grow up in abundance, right? I grew up in very much a, a place of lacking. When it came to resources, not when it came to love or anything like that, but when it came to resources and access to resources more specifically, that's where I, you know, I, I come from. And even when I would ask, right, when I would gather the courage to ask for, for help, what's crushing in those spaces of vulnerability is to be rejected, right? Or to be treated as though you're undeserving or you should be in a more successful place than you are or in a more connected place as far as your ability to understand the problem instead of just helping people almost put you down. And then it creates this psychological block or this phobia of asking for help or this resentment towards the idea of not being enough. Yep. And for me, it's been very difficult because that, that creates a blocker, right? Where we say these things and we want these things, even myself, I'll tell people all the time of like, hey, if you need help, just ask for help. And I'm that person that even when I have new teammates or people that join my team, I'll always say, I'm like, hey, I'd rather you ping me all the time about things so that you can start to feel more comfortable quicker in making your own decisions, being autonomous and trusting yourself than pretending like you have it all figured out only to just constantly be victim to this imposter syndrome that can creep in. But on the back end of it, I'm still the person that 
falls victim to it because of my experiences. How has that been a problem for you or how have you dealt with that type of situation? Yeah, it is. I think that's a challenge for a lot of us, for sure. The problem that we have when we don't ask for help is that we create stories of why people won't help us. And that is the biggest problem. Again, this goes back to also how we talk about ourselves. Subconsciously, we're telling these narratives of things that are happening that just aren't. And then that removes us from the opportunity of the yeses that can come. So as humbling as it may be at times, it's okay to reach out because what that gives people an opportunity is to understand how hungry you are to get something right. That's most important. That's what I've been trying to tell my kids. As part of the courage, commitment, and consistency, help is bundled into that. Asking for help and then sharing what you know is also bundled into that. Because once you've gotten to the consistency part, people are going to want to know like, dang, you've been doing this for a while. Can you show me how to do that? Now you're leaning into something else, right? But you can't start if you don't have the courage to just say, how did you do that? Or I'm not able to figure this out. What am I doing wrong here? Like, guide me through this process. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what community is for. The biggest problem that we have in, in many, many industries, but I'll just speak to design in general, is that we feel like we have to always be right and get all this stuff done. So nobody takes risks. Nobody asks for help. And then we hear things like, yeah, we we're trying to create a SEAL Team 6, you know, knock all this shit out and I'm a design ninja. Or, you know, we're mercenaries and we come in and solve these problems and get in and out. It's like, shit, man, I didn't know design was so violent. Like, I really thought this yeah, was fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, absolutely, yeah. Shit. So it makes it scary when you don't know what you know. But if you look at it from the perspective of being a missionary in design, I'm not, not saying from a religious perspective. I'm saying from the idea that missionaries aren't coming in to solve all the problems. They're simply saying, I'm here to help, provide encouragement and support. Whether that's the Red Cross, whether that's the UN, whatever, we're just here, right, to facilitate and be a function of this community and help them level up. If you start looking at it through that lens of collaboration, through working together, asking for help is just going to be natural because you're not asking for help. You're inquiring. You're inquisitive. You are showing intention and drive. Those things are important. Because if you don't have any life experiences, you're not learning and you can't learn and know at the same time. So at some point, you've got to unlock from the no phase and jump into the learn phase. And that means you're going to stumble. That's a word right there. <laughs> you can't know <laughs> and learn at the same time. I think that what's interesting is I want to say a few years ago, I started to shift my thinking, my internal conversation with myself, almost in this way where I say, oh, screw it, like whatever, man, I... I'm just going to ask the question and I'm going to let people decide how to respond instead of saying, well, you know, they don't care. They won't help me. Exactly what you were talking about, that idea of the narrative that we tell ourselves in our head of why people don't help or why they won't help us. Instead of just doing that, just saying, you know what, why don't you just read the book that's in front of you? I'm just going to open up the book and I'm going to read it and see what happens. I'm going to see what, what the next chapter is by asking the question. And if they go, oh, you're, you know, you're an incompetent person. Then I go, okay, well, this isn't psychologically safe. This isn't a place I want to be. Boom. <laughs> like, there you go. Or, that's it. That's it. <laughs> you know your value and worth. That's it. Uh, yeah. And I, I love that because I, I've heard that before as well. I remember speaking to one of the previous guests and them saying that your value doesn't depreciate just because someone fails to see your worth. That's right. And we need to really internalize that concept 
because I don't know if you've ever heard this, but there was this story of, of this man who gives his daughter a car, right? An old car. It's like dusty or whatever. And he says, hey, go take this to, you know, the dealership, see how much they'll give you for it and, and come back. And she goes to the dealership. She comes back and they say, they say they'll give me a thousand bucks. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Go to this used lot and see how much they'll give you. She goes there and they say, oh, they, they said they'll give me 400 bucks for the parts or whatever. And she goes, okay, great. Now there's this trade show. Go to the trade show, see how much it's worth. She goes to the trade show. She comes back and she says, oh my God, some guy at the trade show offered me 200,000 for this car because it's vintage and it's, it's very rare to find now. He says to her, he says, yeah, remember, there's a difference between what your worth is and what people will be willing to give you for the work that you do, right? And how people value you, whether that's you consistently giving yourself at a discount. If you do that, you're in the wrong place and you need to f get up out of there. You need to find a place that does value you, that loves you. <laughs> that's great. That's great. I, I really, I really attach myself to that story in, in that sense of what we were talking about, where now, the way I look at it is, hey, I'm just going to ask the question. I'm just going to present my ideas. And if you don't like it or if it's horrible, then help me make it better. Or And if you don't want to make it better, if, if you just want to make me feel like I'm not valued, then I'm going to take that as your appraisal of me based on this, this scenario. And I'll go get another appraisal somewhere else. The knowledge is they don't see what you know. And it's not you. It's the thing. And so once you and the individual can remove you from the equation and talk about the thing that you're getting at, conversation goes a lot better. You may still get the no, but you'll feel a little bit better that they said no to the thing and not you. And it's just a mindset change. Yeah, yeah. That dissociate, like dissociate yourself from it. That's right. It's almost that idea of like when you over-identify with, with an idea, when people then attack the idea, it almost feels like they're attacking you, right? When they're criticizing the idea, they're criticizing you because you're saying, I am this idea. No, no, that's no, right. you no, are a person not. that created this idea and you that distinction yeah. matters. No, that's, that's a fair call out. Creativity is not a zero sum game. There is value in many opinions and pressure doesn't come from just one side. You need it from all sides. You can't have pressure just from the front on a piece of coal. Pressure has to come all the way around that coal to form that diamond the same way. But if we only look at that pressure as a thing that's hurting me, the piece of coal, then we, you know, we're not going to produce the results that we want. And in fact, folks will move on to do something different. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I love that. You've dropped so, so many gems that I, I think that it's, this is going to be an extremely valuable episode for the listeners. Just to, to recap here, we started with the C cubed, right? That courage, commitment, and consistency. That's it. Which uh, I think is absolutely amazing. And then you have to lean into your ignorance. And in order to attack that, you need to actively try to ask the questions and learn because what was it you said? You said you can't learn and know at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and then dissociate yourself, right? And dissociate yourself from your ideas so that you can feel more comfortable presenting them and then not feel personally attacked or devalued when the ideas are adjusted and all of these things, man. That, I feel like that's something that a lot of people should pay you a lot of money to go to your TED Talk. But <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for joining me on this episode. Yeah. I look forward to just kind of building a better friendship. Yeah, it's fantastic. I really appreciate being on here, man. Yeah.